Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. Do you find that there's topics that we skirt around or just straight up don't talk about as dietitians or as business owners? For example, like not selling out a program. There's shame behind that. There's feelings of failure behind that, right? And like 99.9% of the time, you'll see business owners celebrating a new client joining a course or a program by posting about it or saying, welcome to the group, so-and-so, so excited to have you. But what about when you don't sell out a program? When you feel like shit, when you feel like a failure and you're working really hard at what you're doing and not being recognized for it. I've literally only ever seen one RD on Instagram talk about an unsuccessful program launch. And truthfully, her vulnerability in that, like after that happened, is what made me reach out to her. And actually that, that one interaction and then that outreach on my on my part has led to so many really cool collaborations with her. So I think being vulnerable and having challenge, I think being vulnerable and having challenging conversations is yes, very scary. I totally get it. But the more we can share our not great stuff, the more we can normalize it and remove the stigma that you're not a failure you're not not successful, the better, right? Like the more open we can all be about this because (laughs) I'm gonna be real with you. I know that a lot of times on social, you see people fucking killing it and they're sharing their client success stories. So you see a fucking highlights reel, but that's maybe what? 20% of their clients who are seeing that those successes What about the other 80%? And I can tell you, I've worked with three different business coaches and their methods have not worked for me in the past. And I'm not trying to shit on business coaches here. I don't think that's the problem. But we're going elsewhere to find our our secret sauce when it's internal, right? Like we know what we need to do, but we just need the confidence. We need to know what our superpowers are. We need to know what we need to do to get there. And a lot of the times it's, it's more self-discovery. It's not having the tools, tips, and tricks. It's the self-discovery side of things. So we can talk more about this, these challenging conversations of success and failure and sharing about it on a future episode. And I think I will, but believing in yourself and in your product is so key. If you recall on last week's podcast intro, I chatted briefly about how I lost my why. Basically, I lost my faith in myself because I wasn't seeing a monetary, the monetary response that I had anticipated. And yeah, that can happen sometimes. But picking yourself back up is key. Knowing your worth, knowing your value, and what you bring to the table is key. I like to talk about your value or what you bring to the table as your superpowers and your uniqueness and how you can help others. That's your key to success. What differentiates you? And reminding yourself that what you do creates an impact. And even if sometimes it doesn't feel like you are creating that impact, right? Like there are some times where it can just feel heavy. 
especially if you put all of this work out into a product and no one buys it. Like that feeling sucks. And there's only so many times you can be hit, fall down, like wash your knees off and get back up, right? But I think the more we talk about it, the more we normalize this feeling, the easier it's going to be. We can't just share the good stuff. We have to share the hard stuff too. And I know social may not feel like the place to do it. And that's okay. But if you work with other dietitians, right? Like if your business is working with other dietitians, share that shit, right? Like maybe write a really vulnerable email and share those feelings. Or if you have a podcast, share those feelings. We need to have this conversation. And yes, it's hard, but it's necessary. So I would love to know from you guys, like, have there been times where you thought something like during a launch was going to do really well? You did all of the quote unquote right things, right? Like you got people on your email list. You sent them the the webinar that you were going to do. Hella people showed up to your webinar and then no one signed up for the course or fewer people than anticipated signed up for the course. What happened? Were you doing things in a way that felt good to you? Were you doing things in alignment for you? Think about all of that. And that's why I say a lot of a lot of this like launch quote unquote strategy, if you will, I think is yes, good to learn initially, but then you also have to take what you're learning with a grain of salt and look inward to what feels good for you, like where your energy center is, right? Like maybe you're making decisions emotionally. Maybe you're making decisions with your gut. Maybe you're making decisions with your heart or just kind of this intuitive feeling from your spleen. This is going to be really helpful in helping you keep your business in a way that feels aligned and then subsequently successful. Because when you're in alignment, you're doing things in a way that is 100% you and no one else is going to have the answers for that. You have to look inward for it. So this conversation went a lot deeper than I thought it was going to. I thought we were going to keep it pretty uh, share your shit kind of conversation, but you know, hey, here for the hard conversations. So we're just diving into more challenging conversations, to be completely honest, with today's guest, Emily Krause. She is a registered dietitian who is passionate about prioritizing all aspects of health, physical, mental, emotional, and especially when all of that comes to nutrition. Through her social media channels, blog, and videos, Emily helps individuals reject diet culture and nourish their bodies intuitively. As the owner of EMK Nutrition and co-founder of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast, she's been able to help so many people through different mediums and cannot wait to help you find peace with food. Emily, welcome to the show. I feel like this has been weeks in the making, but I'm super stoked you're here. What's up? I am so excited to be here and talk to you and talk about whatever comes up. And I'm just really glad to be here. I know it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yes. Put those yeah. intentions out there. Hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's learn more about you and get down to that nitty gritty. You ready? Okay. I am. <laughs> Bucketless travel destination. Santorini, Greece. Oh, hell yeah. I love Greek food with like my entire life. And I am one of those 
basic girls that wants to go to the white and blue like town overlooking like I think it's Mediterranean Sea and I'm like I want to just go there and eat food and look at how pretty everything is and exist follow up with that would you like fly in then take a boat or is this like cruise ship destination I have thought about this so much (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'd probably want to do a cruise. I've never done a cruise before, so I don't really know my opinion on them. Okay, fine. But I feel like there's so much around there that I'd also want to go to. So a cruise would just make sense to hop on over to all those different locations. Yeah, so I'm sure I, I could make a whole vacation out of just one place, but wouldn't it hurt if I'm already over there to see some others. Yes. I'm picturing like a long flowy dress and like one of those like 25 foot swings and you can just like swing out onto the ocean (laughs) and someone's like taking a picture of you or like a video and your hair is just flowing in the wind. That is the dream. That is, (laughs) that's what I aspire for. (laughs) I love it. I need to see that on your Instagram page when you go. I will. Okay. I I don't know when that is, but when it is, I will make sure I find a swing and I find a dress and I will post it. Excellent. All right. Question number two. You may have already answered this. Favorite food of all time. My favorite food of all time is probably... I have two. Is that allowed? Yeah. Okay, cool. My first one is chili. Like a good bean and ground beef chili type situation. I love spicy food, but I also feel like chili is something that's hard to mess up. So anywhere I go, I know it's going to be good for the most part. I've never had bad chili. (laughs) And then (laughs) the other one is hamburgers. So kind of why, besides them just tasting good, is my mom, her main craving when she was pregnant with me was hamburgers. So I fully believe, she told me she ate enough hamburgers that she could tell the difference between like McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. Oh my God. (laughs) It's impressive. (laughs) That's why I was like, I would have no idea. Um, But I'm fully convinced that her love for hamburgers when she was working out with me somehow trickled over into my taste for them. Dude, I totally believe that. My mom made a buttload of pizza pregnant with me, and that's by far my favorite food. So yes, I can see that. Totally. Fun (laughs) fact, if you end up making chili at home, one of my friends in culinary school did this. She either added in like frozen mangoes or frozen pineapple. And like oh that just gosh. amps up the sweetness and like balances out all of the flavors. Oh my gosh. I would never think to add any type of fruit. Game changer. I'm going to go try that now. Yeah. Is it, game changer. I assume it's during the batch, right? It's not like after you're. No, yeah, no, no. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like when you're simmering, like towards okay. the end. Yeah. Just add in a little bit of, ooh, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Banging. Amazing. I will have to try that now. I feel like whenever I talk to you, I learned something new about cooking or something new to try. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought. I try and sprinkle that in when I can. I appreciate right. that. Of course. All right. Last question, maybe the most important coffee or cocktails? I will choose cocktails because 
coffee gets me all jittery and anxious. So okay. it's more of a like when I'm gonna drink coffee, I actually have coffee, right? I have coffee right now because <laughs> this is not a super early morning for me. It's earlier than I normally would wake up. So I was like, I'm gonna make myself some coffee. But I just know in an hour or two, I'm going to get like really stressed out about absolutely nothing. Yeah. And then, um, but I would say I probably drink cocktails more because they don't stress me out. And I love trying all the like specialty ones. So always people are so creative and I'm like, what is this? I never know what is going on with it. I'm like, it's fun to try. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like cocktail has like its own foodie culture, right? Like Yes. Oh my gosh. Culture, whatever you want to call it. But like, dude, if you start exploring, there are so many different, like you can have a whole flavor experience with a cocktail. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy. What's your fave that you've tried thus far? I'm very, my favorite is very basic. I just like a gin and tonic. Okay. It's not that basic. I feel like there's so many gins and like the basic gin and tonic can really highlight the gin that you're choosing. Yes. I once got a lime flavored gin. It was incredible. Mm. I could have probably just done without the tonic, but I was <laughs> like, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never, cause I've seen so many times where the alcohol is like flavored and it's not the best flavor. Yeah. It's just kind of some alteration of something, but yeah. The one I found, it was, like, very reasonably priced, but very lime potent. (laughs) And I was all here for it. (laughs) I dig it. There's one, because we were talking about the my kind of whirlwind trip in Portugal. But, like, there's one from Portugal. It has a cork top. The bottle is white. It's spelled Adamus, but they pronounce it Adamush. And it is the most delicious gin I've ever had. Everything in Portugal is very cheap, except for that cocktail. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) I guess maybe it'll even out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, now that we know everything about you and (laughs) exploratory gin habits, I dig it. uh, I would love to know what got you into the one, the anti-diet world, and then being an Mm -hmm. RD, like what kind of fueled that? Yeah where you're at now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I started off kind of in high school trying to like classic, trying to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life as a mere teenager. Yeah, (laughs) real. And (laughs) one of the things I was focusing on, I was like, I was jumping between like marine biology and graphic design and meteorology, all these like very not dietetics related or even healthcare related fields. Yeah. And I was starting to look into all of them and I'm like, I cannot see myself wanting to do this for the rest of my life. And then I was thinking about, I I don't even know who I talked to first, but I was like, wait, what if I did something with nutrition? Cause I love food and I feel like I could do that something with that for the rest of my life. And I actually was really passionate about sports nutrition. I'm still really passionate about sports nutrition, but I played a lot of sports growing up. So I was like, I want to do something where I can talk about food and I can help athletes. So I started shadowing a couple of dietitians and I ended up going to Purdue for my bachelor's. And I would say 
at the time I like was very sports nutrition focused. Honestly, for the entirety of my undergrad, I would say I was incredibly sports nutrition focused. And then I went through my master's and I actually did my master's and internship during COVID. So that was a very odd experience where like I did almost 95% of my schooling virtually. So it didn't feel like I was in school. It felt like I was just turning in assignments or something going on. Yeah. And then uh, my clinicals got cut short because like that was when everyone went into quarantine. Yeah. But I think after, during the entire span of my master's, I was starting to really think about like, do I want to continue pursuing sports nutrition? Because that's what I kind of focused on for the majority of the time. But I also had a really strong emphasis or interest in eating disorders in sports nutrition. So I was like really passionate about that kind of mental health aspect of it. And I think I was so narrow, I was narrowing it down a lot to just eating disorders in athletes, which you could absolutely cater to that audience. There's plenty to work with there. Yeah. But I realized I was like, wait, I want to work with the general public on preventative more so a little bit. I'm getting to that point and I don't want to just narrow myself down to athletes. So I kind of started up my little Instagram in the beginning of <laughs> quarantine. And I was like, I'm going to give this a shot because what else do I have to do right now? Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was starting to slowly post. And then I feel like as time went on and as I started getting into the real world, the real world, the adult world, <laughs> like actually working, I realized how much. I like new diet culture was very prevalent, but I didn't realize how much. And then I yeah. would start talking to patients and clients and I was like, wow, this is really kind of what I found myself really passionate about was trying to help people heal their relationship with food and enjoy all food, but also eat healthy and kind of also relearn how to eat. No one really teaches us that. I don't know what your upbringing was like, but no one at least over here, I would say in the U- U.S., like, we learn to eat three meals a day. Yeah. And we know we should eat vegetables. Past that, like, not a lot of education going on there. So yeah. that's kind of the biggest, I would say, premise with all that. And something else I didn't really notice is I actually have a history of disordered eating when I was in high school into college. And at the time, I did not realize it. Yeah. But looking back on it, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's that was not healthy. But and I think a lot I know a lot of my colleagues also had a history of disordered eating or even eating disorders. And that's like why a lot of them got into got into dietetics in the first place, because they're like, I want to learn more about food. So I'd say kind of the anti-diet space is more so not only to help other people prevent kind of getting to that state and or even developing disordered eating, if they have disordered eating, trying to not tame it down or even bring us back a little bit. But yeah. also it's a little kind of to help out younger Emily and kind yeah. of what I know I would have benefited from throughout yeah. those years. Because oh, I, I, I was not following dietitians. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's break this down. Cause I think 
RDs weren't as prevalent on social media at that point either, right? So like I knew we were, I knew like three. <laughs> yeah. And like you were lucky enough to shadow some of them like when you were even thinking about this space and I didn't even know I wanted to be a dietitian. Truthfully, I went to culinary school thinking I was going to open up a restaurant. Like that was my fuel into You could still do that. <laughs> I could still do that. Yeah. yeah. I got some time. Yeah. A side job. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so interesting like recognizing it from like you now, right? Like mm-hmm. looking back on the high school side of things and like I grew up eating whatever the hell I wanted. I'm going to be super real with you, but I think you're right. Like I think as teenagers going to places to eat with your friends is, is what you do, right? Like, or the movies, yeah. like there's not much you can oh, do. Yeah. From, we like, can't really do much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's ingrained in our culture, culturally in the States, like to eat with your friends, eat whatever kind of mm-hmm. to some extent yeah. But then we're also getting, at least at that point in time, because RDs weren't on social media in the way we are now, but like yeah. getting our nutrition information from like magazines or maybe YouTube at that point, maybe, but like mostly magazines. And most of it was, okay, well, you need to look fit, thin, whatever. Like this is the ultimate and like this is what you have to do. And truthfully, I didn't read magazines. I just ate in and out a lot. But like I love it. <laughs> Amazing. But like it's it's just interesting to see the impact now, right? Like looking back mm-hmm. on how much influence it had in our generation and generations before us, and it's still oh, happening yeah. now, you know? Oh yeah. I I'm trying to think of where I got my nutrition information. I think I actually got it from YouTube. And it yeah. was like those silly what I eat in a days. Yeah. And like, I know what I eat is in, in a days are a very controversial topic right now, but I remember I would watch shows and like base literally getting the negative effects of that. I was like, this is how this person looks. I want to look that way. Yeah. I want to eat similarly. Yeah. Man. It's just so interesting. Like the, like looking back now, right? Like Again, I wasn't very much into fashion or anything along those lines. Yeah. But looking back on the models from that period of time, right? Like the mid to early 2000s-ish, even into like 2010 to 2015-ish, like I didn't realize how much, I don't know, how much bone you could see, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was so confused. I was like, why don't we all look like this? And if that's like what's being marketed as the yeah. beauty standard. Yeah. Man. Was, okay. So coming yeah. from the sports world, thinking that you were yes. going to stay in the sports world mm-hmm. and I guess now hindsight, recognizing that there was maybe some disordered eating patterns. Do you think that was fueled by being in the sports world or perhaps was it fueled by other outside influences? I think it was, um, it wasn't fueled as much by the sports. For reference, I did soccer, tennis, and track. Not really sports that there is any type of aesthetic appeal around it. So that's kind of very lucky with that. I like went through extreme levels of stress my junior year of high school where I actually started like 
using like food as a punishment and stuff like that. So I think it was much more stress driven. And mm-hmm. then it just started actually, it might've like trickled a little bit into sports because then I just started to not perform as well. And then I yeah. got upset about that. And then I tried to like manipulate all these things because I was upset about not doing well in my various athletic events. But then I was incredibly stressed about everything going on. Just like, with what a 16 year old guy has going on like the ACT and um figuring out your future at 16 yeah like (laughs) knowing what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life kind of stressful I didn't even know what was for dinner so (laughs) why am I making these big life decisions then yeah um but I think it was more stress related and then it ended up affecting the sports and then I think it just kind of piled on from there dude totally so yeah. now with this with this I guess reflective POV because yes. it's 2020 it's funny because you went through your internship then it's also not funny <laughs> <laughs> but okay so like the people that you're working with then they are for lack of a better word lay people right like they're not athletes oh, yeah. but you want to help yeah. them with this transition and recognizing that. So what's typically the age group where you're, where you're seeing this the most? Yeah. So I see this most in like teenagers and individuals in their twenties and yeah, even like lower thirties. Damn. Hey guys, Future Chill coming at you. I want to tell you a couple of things that are happening in the new year. Going back to talking about the community spaces that I love to host One is coming up and it's happening in person in New York City. So on January 29th, 2023, it is a Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m. I'm hosting a summit and social. It is all about talking about collaboration in our field going forward. There's a panel discussion with three amazing speakers and I got the event approved for one and a half CEUs. So not only are we going to be enjoying some delicious Italian food via a three-course meal, We'll have some vino. You'll be able to interact and network with some other really amazing dietitians, but then you'll also get one and a half CEUs for the event as well. The ticket price is $2.99 for RDs, and then for either interns or students, it is $2.55. You just have to reach out to me. So if this is something that you can make on January 28th, 2023 in NYC, I would love to meet up in real life. And if this is something you can't make, but you know another dietitian who would be down to go to something like this, please share this with them. I would really, really, really appreciate it. And second big announcement coming for the new year, I am holding human design type specific collab roundtables. And what is a roundtable? So I guess in essence, it can be considered like a mastermind. But the masterminds that I've been to have always felt like group coaching calls where there was one leader and everyone else was asking that leader a question. I chose to name this the collab and my business boo says that I should like spell it out for you because it's a really cool way of seeing the word. It's like C-O apostrophe L-A-B. So like a collaborative laboratory, if you will. Anyway, (laughs) the collab roundtable is a space where I am not the guru. I don't pretend to be the guru, but we foster this sense of community, and we rely on each other's knowledge base, each other's experiences to come to conclusion, to come to conclusions, to address challenges that we may be facing. I'm there to give my my opinion last, right? Like I let the other people in the space speak first, and I think that's the difference 
with a round table. And with the human design type specific, like you're going to be with other manifestors or you're going to be with other manifesting generators, projectors, generators, or reflectors, right? Like you're going to be with your peeps. So you can see one, how you guys are very similar, but also the cool part about it is seeing how vastly different you are and the uniquenesses that are still within these very high arching categories. And I think it's a really cool place to start because like a lot of times people group manifesting generators together and they're just like, okay, well, you have to respond to things and like, that's it. But there's so much more nuance to it when you look at someone's chart specifically. And that's what we get into in that space to help you make decisions for your business that feel more aligned and to run your business in a way that feels more you rather than feeling like you have to do every seasonal promotion there is, right? Like you don't have to do a Black Friday sale if it doesn't feel aligned. So think that through. So the in January on the 10th, I'll be starting a manifestor specific roundtable. On the 12th, I'll be starting a projector specific collab roundtable. And then in February, the first week, I believe, I'll be hosting manifesting generator and generator specific spaces. So if you want to be in a space with others of your same human design type to explore those similarities, to explore those differences, discuss business challenges, to gain perspective through a human design lens, and to connect and form genuine relationships, then these spaces are for you. I'm not trying to hide it. So the investment is $15.55, or we can break that up into three payments of $5.50 um, over the course of three months. And the space itself is six weeks long. So we dive deep in that six weeks. In addition, you also receive a one-hour session to explore your human design with my favorite human design coach. So if you want the details, check out the show notes so you can see all the dates there. Or if you have more questions, I would love to hop on a virtual coffee chat and answer any questions that you have. But I'm really excited for what's to come in the new year, and I hope you are as well. Until next week. Thanks for listening to that. Now back to our chat with Emily. Are they are they recognizing that it's an issue at this point when they're coming to you? Or is that kind of the awakening that you're working with them? A lot of them actually are aware of it, which is really wow. awesome Yeah, that they're reaching out for help, which I would say is a huge, I feel like that's a huge win with how our just society has progressed because we didn't really talk about like disordered eating at all. And yeah. now like it's become a lot more common conversation. I would say actually the people that I work with that don't really realize that they have any issues are actually individuals in their like forties, fifties. Wow. Cause it's been ingrained in their mind for so long and they like typically have a history of chronic dieting and they like tell me I've heard actually multiple times where they're like, Emily, I know you're coming from a good place and you want me to help me work on my relationship with food, but just mentally, I'm not there. I'm so fixated on weight loss or something like that. So it's actually very interesting to me because it seems like the people who have been in that space for so long have kind of they've grown up with it and it's kind of been a lot of their entire life where they just, this is what they know. And I think it's because there's been so much more recent conversation about disordered eating and 
diet culture like that so that now the younger individuals are more aware of it. Yeah. I mean, think about it, right? The people in their 40s and 50s lived through the low-fat craze, the high-protein Atkins BS, the Mm -hmm. all of it, you know? Like when when diets weren't being masked as anything else, like it was literally Mm -hmm. for weight loss to do this. I mean, now diets, quote unquote, are like new and other things. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they're being masked as lifestyles, but like they really had the thick of it. Like that's a lot to work through. Oh yeah. And I can't even imagine trying to like unlearn what you've been doing potentially for 30, 40 years. If you've been dieting since you were a teenager yeah, it's really challenging to kind of wrap your mind around and change yeah. your mindset. That's hopefully where dietitians will come in and help. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking about this with someone the other day too. Like, I think our generation of RDs is a little bit more woke in this sense, right? Like we're not just there to help people like lose the weight, keep the pounds off and like yell at them. We're really there to look at them mm-hmm. a little bit more holistically in a way that supports not only their relationship with food, but their mental state and yes. and all of that goes along with it, you know? Yeah. Do you, would you say that that's something that you experienced in school since you graduated s- more recently than I have? Like, I feel like I was still yeah. in the, being taught by like the old school mindset of like, low fat is better, lean proteins and whole grains, you know? I actually talk to Hannah quite regularly about this. For people who don't know, Hannah is my fellow co-host on my podcast um but we were taught to calculate bmi for every Mm -hmm. single patient we were taught um i don't know about like we like learn like whole grains and uh, i don't think we learned so much the low fat component but there was just a more so emphasis on like biggest one was bmi and like obesity uh which was very eye-opening like to kind of leave that space and you do some reflection of like wait a second (laughs) yeah and it probably is because obesity is an epidemic in the states but I feel like that goes so much deeper than your outward appearance like right like there's there's struggles behind that there's lack of access probably being one of the main things and like oh my gosh yeah that's using food as a crutch or whatever that looks like but it's so much more than just the number that we're calculating to put someone in a specific category and that yeah it drives me nuts I despise BMI (laughs) so much and I've I've heard just too many times where patients are like my BMI categorizes me as obese or like my BMI categorizes me as overweight and they fixate on that. And I'm like, this is one data point and not very valid data point because it only takes into account your height and your weight. Yeah. And doesn't take into account muscle mass, bone mass, fat mass, any of that. But let's kind of try to think of like here are some other aspects of health we can focus on or other ways that might be at least from a body composition standpoint, much more accurate than a calculation that takes a minute, maybe a minute to calculate. Yeah. And like, I don't even know if other countries use that. Like I'm pretty sure it's just the state. (laughs) Sounds like something we would do. (laughs) Let's go for the inexpensive, easy tool and just 
abuse the heck out of it. Oh, yeah, man. So the reason I bring it up is because my husband's in the Air Force and like that was like one of the markers for their PT tests, like BMI. Really? Yeah. And like, I think another one is like waist circumference is another one that they use. But there are people okay. who are like older who just happen to have like a little bit more of like a, a beer belly who can still yeah. run like a seven minute mile. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And also that makes, oh my gosh, that like, it stressed me out because you typically need to be somewhat muscular, I feel like, for any type of armed forces. So if someone's really muscular, that's going to be reflected as heavier weight. Exactly. And would increase her. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah. I, I don't the think heck? they use it anymore because there was like a really okay. big petition about it. So I don't think it's Good. actually calculated into their like PT fitness anymore. But mm-hmm. for a long while it was. And like. I know people who like would go to a sauna like three days in advance, dehydrate the crap out of themselves, like purposefully oh my to goodness. like meet the weight circumference or like waist circumference. Nuts. That's insane. Yeah. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that just reminds us that like it's not just in like the day to day. It's unfortunately ingrained into our culture so much that our armed forces are experiencing that as well. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. <sighs> well, this conversation got real dark real quick, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, first we're talking about cocktails in Greece, and now here we are talking about how messed up a lot of our society is. Damn, systemic issues. <sighs> I know. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> They need to be talked about, though. So I'm happy yeah, that we at least That's have... why we are here having yeah. this conversation because we're not just going to. That's something I actually appreciate a lot about, I would say, like the younger generation is like, we'll just talk about it. Yeah. We're not just going to let it, like, essentially, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Sweep it under the rug? Yeah. From, okay. That same exact premise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Words are hard this morning. Um, but yeah, we're not going to just let it go by and whatnot. We're going to actually talk about it. If there's something we'll do, we can do about, we'll let it, we'll try to be active and proactive about it. Yeah. Preach girl. And I think you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's better in numbers, right? Like one person talking about it. Awesome. Two people better. 10 amazing. A hundred. You can probably make some big friggin' change with that happening. So. That leads me into my next question. How do you Amazing. like to collaborate with fellow dietitians? Yes. So I actually love to have them on our podcast. That's yeah, you like do. probably my favorite thing. We had Chelstina on ours, which we was did. amazing. And I I just love having people on. There's something about having like new guests on that just brings me so much joy. Like after I there's I don't know if there is if anyone's done any research on this, I know there isn't any <laughs> because podcasting is so new. Um, but there's some type of podcast high after you like meet someone new and you find out what they're passionate about. Oh yeah. And you give them a space to kind of share what they're passionate about. It's so cool. So that's my, I would say, number one favorite. But also, and I just love... What's the name of oh, your sorry, podcast you before, before you keep oh, going? Oh, it's called The Upbeat Dietitians. 
yes. podcast. Yes, excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok. We have a website now, which is very exciting. You do. <laughs> yes. We were like, let's let's just do it. So now we have a nice central hub for everything. Um, but yeah, podcasting number one. Number two, I just love when people like reach out to me on social media. I get so much like irrational amount of joy when people comment on my stuff or they message me or they like message me on a story. I I don't know what it is. I just love hearing from other dietitians. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're both dietitians. <laughs> or even if it's a dietetic intern, I love I love hearing from them as well because that oh yeah. A year and a half ago that was me. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, look at you. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Dude, um, I think I you're say, right. yeah. There is something about it, right? Like having conversations, especially with people that you vibe with. I mm. I posted about this yesterday on Instagram. And have you ever been to Fancy and felt super out of place? So like that yes. for me, like yeah. I I feel like I'm not a cool kid and I'm surrounded by sorority girls that like I don't vibe with when I go to I Fancy. Think you're cool. Thank you. But this is what I mean. Like we have the space now on social to be able to connect with the people that we vibe with. And it felt like we were alone in a very large swimming pool for a very long time. So I think it's super cool that that lights you up, right? Like that, that does bring you joy because when you connect with someone and it's genuine, it makes such a difference. And now we can do that internationally. We can literally do it on a global scale. Yeah, It's insane. And it's, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's one of the best things that's come out of it because I will, like, talk to people that are just in Australia or they're, like, somewhere in another continent. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is absolutely wild. Yeah. And uh, it's insane how many people you can reach and talk to and how accessible people are now. Yeah. So. If other RDs want to find you on socials and they can yes. light up your day and make it super joyful by <laughs> sending excited. you a DM, <laughs> yes. where can they hit you up? So on Instagram, I'm dietitian EMK. And it's just like MK? the letters e- MK. It used to, it was initially, I was like, I was oh, finding out, figuring out social media handles is such a pain because there's so many people out there so everything's taken <laughs> and there's also so many emily's and so many emily's <laughs> that are dietitians and i'm like i don't i'm over this <laughs> so i did it for like my like like my nickname m and then k yeah. but i was like also my middle name's marie so it works out both ways oh, that's perfect um yeah <laughs> but then on tiktok i'm dietitian emily because i wanted emily on there hell yeah i'm taking that <laughs> <laughs> and then I would say those are kind of the main two. And then if you also reach out on the Epi Dietitians Instagram or TikTok or email, or also you can email me at dietitianmk at gmail.com. People still do Whatever that. it is. <laughs> I said people uh, still do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um not as not very common, but you know, maybe if you don't want to message me on social media, you can email me, whatever it is. Be good. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Emily, this was cool. a fantastic conversation. I'm super stoked that you were here. 
Thank you so much for having me. I loved being here. I'm so excited for more people to hear this conversation, and I'm hoping that it resonates with some other RDs, and I'm hoping it wasn't too sad and dramatic. (laughs) If it is, I mean, you could have listened to it on 2X. You could have had half the speed. or Speed is up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Or take a break, take a snack break, and yeah, come back. ooh, dude, I might recommend yeah. that now. Like halfway through the show, snack break, I'll take it. That's something we've started doing for when we know the episode's really long. We'll like yeah. get 20, 30 minutes in and be like, "All right, snack break," <laughs> and then we'll come back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool, Emily. As always, a pleasure. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, guys, I feel like you've heard a lot from me today, so let's keep this short and sweet and head right into a recap. One, normalize talking about uncomfortable systemic issues. Two, our voices and impact are louder in numbers. Three, connect on social, comment, like, or DM fellow RDs globally. If you didn't catch or if you skipped through the section in the middle where I was talking about what's happening next year, highly recommend going back, checking it out. Because if you've listened for a hot minute and you feel like you're really wanting to explore your human design, awesome opportunities coming up in January and February. And if you're in the New York City tri-state area, an amazing in-person opportunity is coming up at the end of January. So snag your ticket now and until next week. Ciao. (music) 